Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Second Chronicles, or chapter 5 rather, and verse 11. And while you're turning there and finding it, we'll pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of studying your word together this morning. And as we do, we invite the Holy Ghost to be our teacher, to be our guide, to instruct us in the way of righteousness and truth. We give ourselves, dear Father God, in spirit, soul, and body, to be attentive, to be receptive and open to to the teaching of your word this morning. And we believe the Holy Ghost will quicken us accordingly. And Father, I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost that I may boldly proclaim the truth of your word in the power of the Spirit and with demonstration. That you would be glorified, the church edified, dear Father God, and that we would accomplish your purpose in this place. We'll give you all the honor and glory for all that's achieved among us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Before we look to that, I just want to say that, that God is moving by his Spirit in a glorious way upon the earth. As a matter of fact, when we were at Winter Bible Seminar, Brother Hagin said, years ago, God moved upon his heart and also upon the hearts of others to begin praying for this healing revival. And they began praying and they prayed a certain way to have the, the power of God manifested in a glorious way among them. You know, being Pentecostal people, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit, don't we? We believe in the manifestations of the Holy Ghost. We believe in the power gifts. We believe in the inspirational gifts. We believe in the revelation gifts, don't we? See, the revelation gifts are those that impart knowledge and understanding to us. Things that you can't know about, you know, on your own. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. Being able to see into the spirit world and gain information and knowledge that way. The power gifts, special faith. Working of miracles and also gifts of healing in operation within the body, within the church as a whole, and also within the local body. And then we have the inspirational gifts, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And those are the gifts of the Spirit that should be in manifestation. And you see, as God's people began to pray a certain way, they knew in their hearts, and it was spoken to Brother Hagin by the Lord, that the healing revival was going to come. And there would come that revival. Now, it didn't happen overnight, but you see, it did, it did come. It finally came. It came in 1947, and it lasted right on through 1958. They were praying in 1943 through 45, and then it came in 1947 and lasted right on through 1958. That was called a healing revival. And if you went into a church anywhere and just believed that, that Jesus was the same and said that, you know, by his stripes you were healed, you can get deaf ears open, you can get blind eyes open, you can get cancerous tumors to disappear, you know, just like that. The power of God was manifested in a glorious way among the people, and signs and wonders and miracles were absolutely wrought among them. Now, many of you, you know, may have known about certain ministries that were used during that time. For example, Catherine Kuhlman's ministry. You know, and, and, and many of you know about that ministry and how God mightily used her in working miracles and signs and wonders and people being delivered and set free by the power of God. Oral Roberts during that particular time, T.L. Osborne during that particular time, O.J. Jaggers during that particular time, and many others were used, you know, in a glorious way. Jack Coe and William Branham. Many were used by the Spirit of God to bring these manifestations of the Spirit, these gifts of healings, these working of miracles. And you talk about a revival that took place throughout the land. It was glorious. But 
I said all that to say this. While we were there at Winter Bible Seminar, he said, you know, the burden to pray along that line is even stronger now than it was then. The burden to pray along that line right now is stronger than it was then. In other words, God is also prompting His people to continue to pray along that line so that these, these gifts of the Spirit would be in operation in the church world today. Because, you see, it's through these signs and wonders we are going to reach the unreachable. It's through these manifestations we are going to touch the untouchable. Those that are out there right now that lie in darkness and don't understand and do not know the way of truth and are not coming to God, they need to be shaken by the power of the living God. Those that are bound up by religious spirits who think they're okay, but they're really not because they're not genuinely born again, they've got to get shaken loose, praise God. We've got to shake them loose by the power of God. And you can't do that by just walking up and just, you know, preaching your doctrine. It's not going to work that way. There has to be signs and wonders and power manifested, you know, you know through people's lives. And if we'll pray along that line, praise God, we're going to have those things wrought among us here. Amen. You say, well, how do you pray? It's very simple. You believe that God hears you when you pray? I know He hears me. Do you believe He hears you? Absolutely. All you've got to do is pray along that line. Say, Father God, I believe we are a Pentecostal church, a Pentecostal people, and believe that the power of God should be in manifestation, you know, when we assemble ourselves together. And so I set myself to agree with the leadership of Christian Assembly, believing there will be in manifestation in a greater way, the, the power gifts, the inspirational gifts, and the revelation gifts. And then you just name them. You just go ahead and name them. And then after you name them, you say, Now, Father God, if there's anything else that needs to be prayed about or said about this move of God upon the earth today, I do so in the Holy Ghost. And if you're spirit-filled, you, can, you know what I'm talking about. You start praying with other tongues, and you're praying well. You're praying according to the perfect will of God, and you're praying exactly the way God wants you to pray. And then you know what? We're not just talking about those gifts manifested through the leaders' lives. This is not just for leaders. This is for everybody. This is for the whole church. The whole church working together. These uh, gifts of the Spirit in operation and manifestation, not just when we assemble ourselves together, also when you're out there in the car, when you're out there in your home, when you're off there at work and that sort of thing. You know, you'll be so in tune with the Spirit of God, you'll know exactly, you know, what He wants you to do to pray through. And He'll be leading you, guiding you, and directing you along certain lines that'll work miracles that'll touch people's lives in a powerful way. Now I want you to see something here in Second Chronicles, because this is where the Lord has led me this morning. In 2 Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 11, it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place. For all the priests that were present were sanctified and did not then wait by course. Also the Levites, which were the singers, all of them of Asap, Heman, and Jejethun, with their sons and their brethren being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east end of the altar and with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets. It came even to pass as the trumpeters... And singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. I want you to notice that right there and stop right there. I want you to notice. Here we have people coming together of one heart, of one mind, and one accord. Everybody taking their place, functioning in the office that God placed them in. If you were a singer and praiser, if you were a musician, if you were a minister... How many of you know that you are a minister of the Most High God if you're blood washed and born again right now? You are a minister of the Most High God. There are many things that need to be done in the local body of believers. Everyone needs to come together, find out what God would have them to do, and then take your place and do your part. And if you will do that, 
The body is going to work together like never before. It's going to work together like a fine-tuned instrument. And I'm telling you, it's going to, to bring about the manifest presence and power of God like you've never seen before. We're going to need some workers, some more workers to help us out and back in our, our library back there. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that as time goes on. We're going to need some people to help us out in the music ministry up here. We're going to be looking for some changes. How many of you know that when the Spirit of God begins to move, there's going to be change? Hallelujah. There is going to be change for the better. How many of you know that? It's going to be better, praise God. You looking for it to get better and better? Well, it will get better and better as people begin to change, as the Spirit of God begins to move. You say, well, why do we have to change? You think God's going to change? God is never going to change. He's the same yesterday, today, forever, and always, and He will never change. You see, if something is not working, if something is not happening, if something is not going right, God doesn't have to change. I'm waiting for God to do something. You don't have to wait for God to do a thing. All you've got to do is change yourself because God's already in the moving mode. God is already manifesting Himself. He has already done all that He's going to do to bring us to victory. Amen. We've got to change and line up with Him. Hallelujah. And you say, well, where do I have to change? And for the most part, we have to change our way of thinking. You know, there are those that think they can't do anything for God. But you know what? You can do something for God. I'm telling you, you make it known. You make yourself available. You let people know what you can do. And, and, and God will move upon hearts of people. And you'll be put to work for God. Can you say amen? amen? There are those that think they're too bound up. And they're not free. And the only thing they've got to realize is Jesus has already set you free. And you are free indeed right now. If you're born again and blood washed and still bound up, you haven't been told yet. Jesus has made you free. There's no power on earth that can keep you bound. There is no devil of hell that can keep you bound. There's no force of darkness that can hold you back. Because Jesus is greater in you than he that is in this world. He has overcome him by his precious blood. And we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our personal testimony. And I say I'm free today. What about you? Who the Son has made free is free indeed. Are you free today? Glory to God. Then no power of darkness has any power over you. The Bible says it gives you power over serpents and scorpions, all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. All you've got to do is realize you have power over all the work of the devil. Can you say amen? If that doesn't make you shout, your shouters plugged up. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Okay, now they were all together, they were of one heart, they were of one mind, and notice another thought here, they were arrayed in white. That means they were pure before God. Their heart motives were pure, their heart desires were pure. You see, they came pure before God. Their motives and attitudes and desires were pure and before God and lined up with what the will of God was. All they wanted to see was God manifest Himself. You know what, beloved? If I come here because I want to be somebody, my heart is not right. If I come here because I want to show something that I have, my heart is not pure before God. If I want to be seen and made known among the people, then my heart is not right before God. If I want to have a place or hold an office so somebody can see what I'm doing for, you know, for God upon this earth, there's something wrong with me, with my attitude and my, my desires and my motives. But if I want to come in here and take my place and not be seen of men and glorify God with my life in any way He tells me, if it's to be behind the scenes somewhere, and just say, Father God, I look for You to manifest Yourself. I look for Jesus to be glorified 
right among the people. That's all I want. That's all I'm looking for. I'm telling you, if you can get everybody like that to be that way of one heart, one mind, one accord, pure before God, you are going to see the glory of God manifest among the people like you've never seen before. We're going to see the glory fill this place so that the ministers can't even stand to minister for by reason of the cloud that is the glory of the living God. Now let's read on. Their hearts were pure before God. They all took their place. And then together they lifted up their heart to God in one accord, making one sound to the Lord. In verse 13, and when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals. And let's stop right there. We better stop right there. I said Wednesday night there has to be somebody who can blow a horn in this congregation. Fess up somebody. Come on. Get the dust off. There has to be some rhythm out there. I know there's some out there. Somebody's got to play a horn. Somebody has to play a trumpet out there. Come on. Come for us. There has to be change, praise God. He say, you don't understand. It's been a while. God will anoint your lips. I'm telling you, God will anoint you on the inside. He'll bring it on the outside. And you'll play like you've never played before unto the glory of God. Can you say amen? I believe that. Man, join forces together with us. We want to make a sound that is heard on high, praising and thanking and magnifying God. Hallelujah. In this place. Amen. So if you're a trumpeter out there, amen. Come forward. Fess up. Amen. Get in with the flow of things. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For He is good, for His mercy endureth forever, that then the house, then the house, then the house was filled with the cloud, even the house of the Lord. You know what that cloud is? You read throughout the Bible, you find out that cloud is the manifest presence of God. There is a twofold presence of God. There is the omnipresence of God, and that means that God is everywhere all at the same time. You say, I don't understand it. Forget about understanding it. God's that big. Just believe it, praise God. He is everywhere all at once. Amen? That is called the omnipresence of God. He is everywhere at the same time. Now, there is also called the manifest presence of God. And that is when God manifests His presence among the people so that it can be actually seen or felt. Now, listen carefully. I've seen the glory of God on numerous occasions. I've seen the cloud come rolling in this place on numerous occasions. I've been out there in different field ministry, and I've seen the glory of God in manifestation. And it looks just like smoke, or it looks just like a cloud. If you're coming in on an airplane and you go right on through the clouds, that's what it looks like. It looks like a cloud just begins to envelop the people. That is the presence of the living God. That's called the manifest presence of God, where God's presence is actually made known among the people. And they can either see it or they can feel it. And it just sometimes falls, just falls, just like that. It falls upon the people. Amen. And you can see it actually happening, just falling. I think it just fell. Praise God. I know it hit me. I know about you. Hallelujah. And when they did that, they said the Lord was good. His mercy endures forever. The cloud fell and filled the house of the Lord. 
right there among them. The cloud of God, the glory of God fell among them. And they, look at the next verse, so that the priests could not stand. Some people wonder why, you know, you fall under the power. I'm telling you, when the supernatural comes into contact with the natural, the natural is never going to win. It is the supernatural that will always win out. The power of God's presence and glory and might, when it contacts human beings, is going to have them fall and not the glory of God. You're never going to, you know, overpower the glory of God. And so they couldn't stand to minister for by reason of the cloud. Now notice this. For the glory, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. The glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. You know what, beloved? All that happened under a type and shadow. I'm going to say that again. All that happened under a type and shadow. They didn't have the real McCoy. They didn't have the real thing. They had the blood of bulls and goats and heifers, and there were bullocks offered up unto God, and the blood was not sufficient to remit the sin of mankind. It was only sufficient to cover up the sin of mankind. It would never produce an absolute righteousness. It only produced a limited righteousness before God, okay? And even at that, they glorified God in such a way that the power and presence of God was manifested so that the glory filled the temple or the house of, God, of the Lord and they couldn't stand to minister for by reason of the cloud. I'm telling you today, if they could have that kind of presence, if they can have that kind of glory, if they can have that kind of manifestation of God under a type and shadow, what ought we to have when we've got the real... We've got the blood. We've not been redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold. We've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Without spot and without blemish. The blood of Jesus Christ has washed us and made us every whit whole, praise God. And right now in this dispensation that we live in, a better covenant, better promises, we have the better promise of a greater manifest presence of the living God. But you know what? I want you to notice this too. The house has changed. See, the house of the Lord used to be the temple. Amen. That was the temple. Right? But you see, it changed after Jesus arose from the dead and took his blood into the heavenly holies of holies and offered up as an eternal sacrifice for mankind. No longer is the temple the house of God. What do you mean? No longer is the temple the building, the house of God. Now, we are the temple. Boy, that hasn't hit us hard enough yet. We are the house of God. I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. We could say that God was living among them. God manifest Himself among them. God was walking among them. God, in, in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, was so manifested among them, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, among them that they could actually see His presence and the glory of the Lord filled the house of God right there and right then before them and they couldn't even stand up because God was so manifest among them. You know, we got to get our eyes off of devils and demons, and we got to get our eyes on Jesus Christ and the glory of God. Amen. We got to get our eyes on the greater one, not on the lesser one, on the victorious one, not the defeated one. 
You want to rise up in victory? Get your eyes on the victorious one. If you want to stay defeated, keep your eyes on the devil. I'm free in Jesus' name. What about you? Are you free? I'm hooked up with the victorious one. He's the victor over death, hell, and the grave. And I'm hooked up together with him. Glory to God. What about you today? Amen. I want you to notice this. After Jesus arose from the dead, God was going to build himself a brand new house. I'm telling you, it was not going to be made of silver and of gold. It was not going to be made out, out of fine uh, uh, linen or, or anything like that. It wasn't going to be made out of brick or mortar or any kind of fine wood or anything like that. God was going to make himself a brand new dwelling place. Jesus inferred that when they came to him and talked to him about the temple. He said, you destroyed this temple, I'm going to rebuild it in three days, praise God. And those three days he spent in the heart of the earth, after which, of course, he went to heaven and offered up his blood, and then he rebuilt the temple of God. And that temple of God is in you and me. We are the temple. Look at this. In verse 16, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? You, hallelujah, are the temple of the... What's that word? What's that word? Well, say it louder. Is your God dead? No. Or is he alive? alive? You know, over there in Corinth, they had a lot of temples. They had all kinds of temples lining their streets. Everywhere you go, you'd find a temple. But I'm telling you, those temples were full of dead gods. They were absolutely, positively without life. You are the temple. We are the temple of the living God, the living God, the Holy One, the great I Am, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the God that raised up Jesus from the dead indwells us. No longer does He live in earth-made holies of holies. No longer does He live in houses built with men's hands. He lives in you, and He lives in me, and greater is He who is in us than He that is in the world. Let's read on. For you are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them. And, notice this, I walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Amen. Man, God is living in us. God is walking in us. God is dwelling in us. You see, we've got to become conscious of that. We have to understand that. I want you to notice that the glory of God that filled that house over there in Second Chronicles, that they couldn't stand up to minister by reason of that cloud, is the same glory of God that has filled this house of God. You're filled with that same glory, that same presence of God. And so am I. I want, I want you to see that. Go to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. You see, the disciples of our, of our Lord, after His resurrection... We're told much about the Holy Ghost who would come. Up until this point, the Spirit of the living God had not fully come to the earth in, in, in full power and ministry. In the Old Testament, He only anointed those to be prophet, priest, or king. He was only manifested in certain ways. And there were only certain appearances way back under the Old Covenant. In the New Testament, Jesus begins to tell His disciples, the Comforter is going to come. 
And when he comes, he's going to do various things. He's going to come in full power and in ministry. He is going to demonstrate certain things in the earth. He is going to carry out through our lives the work that Jesus came to accomplish and fulfill. We are living in the dispensation of the Spirit of God right now. Now, back then, there was an earth made holies of holies. But when Jesus died on the cross, the veil of the temple was rent in twain or torn in two from top to bottom. And that meant the Shekinah glory of God, the presence of God, the power of God, left the earth made holies of holies and went back to the heavenly, awaiting the return of Jesus to come with His blood. Once Jesus took His blood up there, offered it as an eternal sacrifice for, the, for all mankind, then He told His disciples, wait... Until you're filled with power from on high. Go into the city of Jerusalem and tarry there. Or wait together until you receive the power of God. Or the glory of God. Or the Spirit of God from on high. It was on the day of Pentecost that the Spirit of God that was manifested back then in the, the glory of God. Was going to come and then begin to indwell the brand new temple of the living God. But notice it's not just temple, it's also temples. Together we make up one temple of God. But individually we also make up the temple of God. So individually we're all temples of the living God right now upon this earth. And those who understand what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God know there is another experience that is different than being saved or born again by the Spirit of God. You see, you get saved, you're born again, you have an experience with the Holy Ghost. You're redeemed, you're delivered, you're blood washed, you're born again child of God. And that is one manifestation of the Spirit of God in your life. And now that you have the life of God in you, you have become the temple of the living God. Correct? See, God did that work on the inside of the human being. He made that individual His temple. Could God live in you when you were a sinner? Could God live in you when you were spiritually dead? What's the answer to that? No, you didn't have God in you, did you? You did not have the life of God in you when you were spiritually dead. But all of a sudden, you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And once you were born again, you became the temple of God. You're the house of God. So in that one work of the Spirit of God, you became a born-again child of God. And now you have the life of God in you. And you are His dwelling place, right? You are His temple on earth. Well, I want you to know something, temple of God. He wants you to be filled with His presence and power. Look at Acts 2, chapter 1. I'm um, chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Notice, doesn't that sound like Second Chronicles? They were all with one accord in one place. They were all pure before God. They only wanted God to be glorified among them. They were all together waiting as Jesus told them, Tarry ye in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Their hearts were right before God. Their minds were right before God. Their motives were right before God. Every one of them wanted all that God had to give. Can I say something to you today? There, every single one of us needs to be full of God. I'm telling you, if you want to get rid of something in your life, you need to get more of God in your life to get rid of it. No matter what it is. There is more of God to be had in our lives on a day-by-day -day basis. 
You can have more or less of the glory of God in manifestation in your life. God wants every crevice of our being to be filled to capacity with the glory of the living God, with His presence and power. He wants to drive out any work of darkness and fill us up with all of the, the work of light. Amen? Amen. That's what He wants for all of us. If we're bound by anything, there's more room for the glory of God. Get a hold of the glory of God and it'll dispel the darkness. Hallelujah. Now look at here. They were all in one accord in one place. Their hearts were right before God. They were pure before God. And all they wanted was to be filled with or full of God. They wanted God to fill them from head to toe. They wanted God to, to be totally involved in all their affairs in all that they set their hearts to do. Now listen. And there suddenly came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. It filled all the house where they were sitting. This sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. I want you to hold your place there and go on back, if you would please, to John's Gospel, chapter 14. And I want you to hold your place as we're going to refer right back to it. In John 14... Jesus was about to leave his disciples. He was going to leave the earth. He was going to go back to heaven, you know, from where he came. He was going to be seated at his father right hand, glorified there in the heavenlies. He said to his disciples, but before I go, I'm not going to leave you without help. I'm not going to leave you hopeless. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you by yourself. Look at verse 16. And I will pray the Father, John fourteen sixteen, and He shall give you another Comforter. Notice this, that He may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not. So that person in the world can't receive the Spirit of Truth, can he? He cannot receive the Holy Ghost from on high, can he? He can receive Jesus, but not the Spirit of Truth. Because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. Notice this. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you right now. He's dwelling with you. And shall be where? Where? He shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I will come to you in the person of the Holy Ghost. I will come to you in the person and presence of the Holy Ghost. Now listen carefully. Jesus is departing their presence. Can you imagine how sad they would be? Can you imagine how confused they might be? Can you imagine? They walk with the man of Galilee. They walk with him on those shores. They saw the miracles that he did. They saw the resurrection of the nope and deaf ears, etc. It goes on and on and on. And now he's departing from them. Now he is going to leave them. What are they going to do? We saw what took place at the death of Jesus when he was crucified and Peter was afraid. He, he was afraid for his life. He didn't want to be around the, the, the accusers of Jesus because he thought he might die too. So he was afraid. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know where to go. You ever been there before? Should I get close and watch his death? Should I hide? I fear for my life. What am I going to do? And he was the most outspoken, wasn't he? And he himself was scared, did not know what to do. How are we going to carry on this work? How are we going to represent the Master? What are we going to do now? He's gone. He's going to die. I fear for my life. How can I do it? I'm just a human being. I'm just an average guy. What am I going to do now? I was brave and bold when Jesus was here. But I'm by myself now. But Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you comfortless, Peter. 
I'm not going to leave you without help. That word paraclete, that word comforter in the Greek is paraclete. It means comforter. It means helper. It means strengthener. It means counselor, advocate. It means standby and intercessor. I'm not going to leave you alone. You think you're going to be empty, but it's better for you that I go. What do you mean, Lord? It's better that you stay. No, no. It's better for you that I go. Because if I don't go, the Holy Ghost, which is the Comforter, will not come unto you. And if He doesn't come, then we, I can't duplicate myself all over this earth. So it's better for you that I go and you wait for him to come. And when he come, he comes, he is going to guide you, lead you, teach you, guide you, empower you, and do you a power from on high. And they could understand this. They didn't understand this. All they knew was they wanted what God had. And so went to that place, going back to Acts chapter 2, where Jesus told them to go. And they sat there in that house and they were of one heart, one mind, one accord. They wanted every part of their being to be flooded with the life and the power of the living God. They did not know what to expect at this time because the day of Pentecost had never come before, did it? But you see, I want you to know this. No matter what they felt, what their reservations were, what their fears were, or anything like that, I want you to know that Jesus had confidence that the Holy Ghost entering into their lives was going to produce a dynamic change within them that would enable them to go about and and continue His works upon this earth and promote His gospel. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Look at this now. Acts 2. They were all in one accord in one place. Their hearts were pure. They wanted the same thing before God. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as the rushing mighty wind filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and sat upon each of them. Jesus said, He dwelleth with you and now shall be where? In you. Now notice this. And they were all filled with the glory of God. They were all filled with the cloud of God. They were all filled with the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, God in the person of the Holy Ghost entered into them. It's the same power, the same presence, the same glory, the same smoke that filled the house back there under the Old Testament now has filled them on the inside. I'm telling you, when something happens, let's, for example, say this. Somebody comes along and gets a hammer and hits me, you know, on my thumb. What am I going to do? I'm going to scream. You're right. Ouch. That hurt. Right? If someone comes up to you and says, hey, I just discovered that you want a million dollars. It's yours right now. Here it is. What are you going to do? You going to keep your mouth shut? You know, your boyfriend walks over to your house one night, invites you out and says, Hey, will you marry me? And offers you a real beautiful ring. What are you going to do? Go back and tell your girlfriends, you know, my boyfriend proposed. Is that what you're going to do? I'm telling you, you're going to shout. Why? Because something happened to you that excited you on the inside, right? Well, listen to me. When they got filled with this presence, when they got filled with this power, when they got filled with this glory of the living God, they couldn't do anything but begin to speak with other tongues. Because they couldn't explain it in their own language. They were all filled with the Spirit of God. Now, notice this. With the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And I want you to notice that this utterance that was given to them by the Spirit of God enabled them to glorify God like they've never glorified Him ever before. 
It enabled them to magnify God like never before. But it doesn't stop there. I mean, he was so manifested in them, their bodies could hardly handle it. They began to walk around like they were drunk. They couldn't even stand up. For, for by reason of the cloud, they could hardly stand. Remember back there in Second Chronicles, it said they couldn't stand to minister. For by reason of the cloud, they were drunk in the Spirit. They were filled with the Spirit in such a way, to such a capacity, they could hardly stand it. They could hardly stand up. They were going about like drunk men. And they were just shouting out this praise in a brand new tongue. They were glorifying God. I know that's true because you go on down and read in verse 11. Talking about what happened, they were Cretes and Arabians. Do we hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God? And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. They're drunk. That's what's the matter with them. They've been drinking. They are drunk. But Peter's standing up. Wait a minute. Peter, who was afraid, who feared for his life, who was who very subdued. I mean, he was very laid back because he didn't want to get, you know, involved, you know, with these leaders because they, they might recognize him and know who he was and they might decide to crucify him also. And so he was afraid. But right there in Jerusalem, right there on the day of Pentecost, right there during the feast when all the leaders were gathered together, everybody was there. Can you see this? They're all gathered together, you know, for this celebration. And what happens? Peter stands up in the midst of them. He lifts up his voice and he says to them, You men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. Doesn't sound like a fearful man now, does he? See, the Holy Ghost got a hold of him on the inside, flooded his spirit with the power of God. The glory of God was manifested. He received a newfound power from on high that enabled him to do something he could not do in the natural. He begins to proclaim with a loud voice the goodness of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's what he tells them. These are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that. Hallelujah. This is that. What is it? This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, saying what? It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. All my servants and all my handmaidens I'll pour out in those days of my spirit. And they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above, signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire, vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want you to know this is that. The Holy Ghost outpouring is to bring men to Jesus. Can you see that? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is why God wants us filled to overflowing with His Spirit, so that His glory is manifested through our lives, so that the people that are out there can be reached, not by our abilities, but by the power of the living God. And I'm telling you, beloved, when you get filled, you'll speak out with new tongues. When you get filled, you'll shout because the glory of God is on the inside of you. I mean to tell you, you're going to release the shout of joy and the shout of victory because you know the greater one in you is bigger than ever before. You see, beloved, God wants us constantly being filled. He wants us to be filled to overflowing with His Spirit. Why? It's a work of the Spirit in this generation and in this dispensation. 
And there should be and will be these manifestations of the Spirit of God. Because there will be those out there in this world that will never be reached apart from the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. And beloved, we are the ones that are equipped with this power of the Spirit. And we need to take it to the world. We need to take it to the world. We need to evangelize this world with the power of the living God. And we're going to start right here in our own community. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, I expect to see the fire department here, you know, because they're going to see this building thinking it's on fire. And they're going to try to put it out. But their water will be no match to the fire of God upon this place. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. I believe it. Do you believe it? Amen. I'm telling you, God wants us to shout. God wants us to sing. Whether you want to dance, it's up to you. God wants you to dance before Him, shout before Him, sing before Him. He wants His glory to be revealed among the people. He wants it to be made up. And you know what, beloved? He also has given us a way to generate this power in our lives. If you have already been filled with the Spirit of God, and that's praying in tongues and speaking out in tongues. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And if you'll do, the more you do it, the more you'll generate that power and the greater manifestation of the Spirit of God you will have. But the thing to, to, to really emphasize in our lives this morning is this. You are the temple of the living God. And you can have a greater manifestation of the presence and power of God in you if you want to. First, you have to be filled with the Spirit. Don't be satisfied with just being born again. You've got to be filled with the Spirit also. And once you're filled with the Spirit, that is not the end. That is the beginning of the supernatural walk that you'll have with God. God in greater power will live in you. There will be greater manifestations of His might and power and abilities in your life to manifest through your life to reach to others that are here in this world today. And also, as you continue praying in the Spirit, your Spirit, by the Holy Spirit in you, prays and is activating the ministry of the Holy Ghost. And that ministry that is activated will drive out the work of darkness. It will cause your body to be flooded with life. Your cells to be be responding to health and the light of God, the ability of God. It'll help you physically. I guarantee you, it'll help you even mentally, emotionally. Oh, I believe this with all my mind. God's activity starts on the inside. You get it on the inside and then, you know, you let's put, let me show you another verse before I, we we get over to other, another area here. Look at first Corinthians 15. I'm sorry. It's first Corinthians 14. And verse 15. So you can better understand this. We who have the Spirit of God on the inside of us, this is what God wants us to know that we are doing when we pray in the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 14, let's start with verse 14. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays, but my mind is unproductive. It bears no fruit and helps nobody. In other words, I have actually activated my spirit when I pray in the spirit or sing in the spirit. I have activated my spirit on the inside. Next verse. Then this is the amplified version. Then what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me, but I will also pray intelligently with my mind and understanding. I will sing with my spirit by the Holy Spirit that is within me, but I will sing intelligently with my mind and understanding also. I want you to see this. There are two ways to pray. Number one, with our understanding, and number two, with our spirit. And you only pray with your spirit as you pray with other tongues. When you're praying with other tongues, you're praying with your spirit and you're praying beyond your own intelligence and understanding. 
When you pray in English, you are praying according to your own understanding and knowledge of the Word of God. And so this adds a dimension to our lives that goes beyond what we're capable of producing in the natural with our own intelligence, no matter how smart or intellectual we are. Can you understand that? No matter how intellectual I am, there are certain things I'll never have any knowledge of. But God's Spirit knows. And if I pray in the Spirit, by the Spirit, then I can pray out certain things, and those things will come to pass even though my intelligence was not involved in what I was praying. There's a, there's a whole lot to touch in that realm. And we're going to continue doing it. But for right now, all I want to say is, God wants us to continue along this line of thinking, along this line of preaching, and along this line of understanding. And He wants us to give place to this greater move and work of the Spirit of God. And we're going to do that by praying in the Spirit and also praying with the understanding. By singing in the Spirit and singing with our understanding. We're going to do that by just yielding to the Spirit of God, expecting the greater signs and wonders to manifest and the gifts of the Holy Ghost to be in operation. We are going to achieve those things among us as we are yielded vessels to what God is doing in the earth today. As a result, not only will we be edified, but I believe the, the people around us are going to be reached by the power of the living God. Praises and musicians, if you would, come at this time, please. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.